Headquarters in Hopkins, Minnesota. I'm your host, Joe Opager. Now here's my good friend and co-host, Mr. Jody White. Joe, 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 Joe. How's it how's it going? Uh pretty good. Pretty good. How's it going with you? Not too bad. It's cold again. I hate that. Yeah, surprise, surprise. But every week we talk about the goddamn weather. I'm sick of it. Well Blah. I I'm pretty sure it's supposed to get into the forties this weekend. Like wow. I I think that's a real thing. I, I'm not just hallucinating. <laughs> All of our friends down south, they're like, oh my god, the 40s. Woo! 40s! But it really is a big deal up here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that'd be like 40 degrees warmer than it was this morning, or oh, something like that. I went out to a ice fishing contest, my last one of the year, basically, last Saturday. It was the big uh, Ducks Unlimited contest up on Mille Lacs. And uh, in this contest, there's basically... you know. A thousand holes drilled, a couple thousand holes, and you basically just pick your hole, and you brave the conditions. There is no wind breaks. You're not allowed to bring any shelters or portable houses or anything like that. You're really sitting on a chair or bucket out in the bitter cold, and it was. It was like negative two degrees, a lot of wind. God, it was cold. And about twenty minutes into it, I just went, "What the heck am I doing out here? Like this is ridiculous." It doesn't take me nearly that long to say, what the heck am I doing out here when I go ice fishing? It usually takes me about two minutes. I'm like, man, this is stupid. Um, so who drilled a thousand holes? Like, did the competitors drill them? Are these pre-drilled holes? Well, basically, this was the fishing for ducks. So this was put on by the Minnesota chapter of Ducks Unlimited. And, uh, yeah, through volunteers. I mean, they go out with a 100 augers and just start pumping holes and it's actually a really cool setup because when they take the picture from the they have a plane fly over and uh they take a picture of it from the sky and it's set up to look like you know the ducks unlimited logo yeah it's like the logo they're actually a sponsor shad skank and uh you can see it on his jersey but i mean everybody's the way everybody's set up it's in this logo so yeah no i'm 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 very aware of what their logo is yeah we're we're fishing inside this duck head and there's you know a few thousand holes every every 10 feet or so there's another one and you just you can move around as much as you want and yeah it is what it is that is that is that's that's awesome we need to do that with fishing (laughs) real fishing we need to have a bass fishing tournament on okeechobee like line up the Um, boats in the flw box and have everybody that has to fish in the logo. They can all just put their power poles down yeah. and just you fish like to. that for a, you know, for a half hour or so. And then we can let them disperse. It'd make for a good picture, that's for sure. Oh, that is that is so cool, man. I'm, <laughs> man, I had no idea. All of a sudden, ice fishing is interesting to me. Yeah, they gave away. First prize was either a brand new Chevy Silverado or twenty grand. Unfortunately, I did not catch a fish, so... Not only was I freezing my arse off out there, but I didn't catch anything and spent like 80 bucks on entry and raffle tickets and went home uh, cold. So, Well, you're still, though, you're in the positive side as far as your fishing tournament yeah, winnings yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, tournament winnings are still, still plus. So, Well, you know, that's a huge achievement. Not a lot <laughs> of people do that. Usually tournaments are for fun and you, ha- and 
you know, if you're doing it smart and you're not super awesome at it, you just chalk it up to a lost cause. So, so man, what I want to talk about, though, is you took off work last Thursday. You beat the blizzard. We had a it huge, was a great decision, another polar vortex rolled through. It was absolutely miserable. I ended up leaving at noon just to get out and try to beat the storm. But you took the day off. You went fishing. I saw some pictures. It looked like you had like a 15-pounder you were carrying yeah. out of this open water. What is the deal, man? Well, I tell you what, I was whacking and stacking for sure. That had um, to have been a Photoshop job, right? No. The one of you walking out and we saw the fish's belly. Like literally, that looked like a monster. See, here's the weird thing. When I caught that fish, I was like, oh, man, a nice four-pounder. Cool. And this is really this is the first big fish I've caught since I don't know when. It's been a while. Um I think it probably was actually closer to five or six pounds. Like, it was a big fish. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing what a good photo can do if you hold a fish just So that's right. what it was. It was just the angle of the camera? Because there was no uh, alteration made to that photo in any sort of photo editing software that you like to use? No, no. I didn't, wow. uh, I didn't do, I didn't, you know, I didn't touch it up at all. Um, well, I touched it up, but I didn't, you know, I didn't change any sizes. Uh, it really, you know, it just comes down to it's, you know, perspective with a fish. You can make that do a lot of cool things, you know, based on how much bend you put in your arm, you know, how close you are to the camera. And one thing that a lot of people don't really do as much as they maybe should or could is just turning the fish, depending on the shape of the fish, turning its belly toward the camera a little more or turning its belly away, it can really change the size of the fish and what a fish looks like you know most people you just hold a fish straight on but a lot of times just a couple of degrees in change of direction of that fish and you can get a really cool picture so it's a little bit of that too so tell the story about your day and about this fish i mean you woke up super you had to wake up i got a text at six in the morning saying i'm rolling through your town which is like yeah i, I live at- quite a ways away so i mean if you're rolling through my town at 6 a.m means you had to leave you know the city's in your house by like four thirty-five, but yeah, I got. Was up that at, the only fish you caught? Break down your day for us. Well, I got up at like four and um, made myself some it's hardcore. Tea. Well, you know, got to do what you got to do on a day off. That's hardcore. But okay, keep going. Well, you know, the point in my mind, the point of a day off, if you're going to use it well, <laughs> is to make sure you use every minute of daylight to catch fish. That's my ideal day off. Doesn't always happen, but. Uh, so I got up, you know, super early, and uh, I went and I made myself some tea. I made myself some PB&Js, an apple, um, got on the road, got myself some Egg McMuffins uh, partway on the road. Um, then, you know, went fishing. Went to the secret spot. Yeah, uh, went fishing. Kill, uh, <laughs> killed them. Did you guys hear how he just glazed over that? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> killed them in the beginning. Um and then, like, maybe around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, things really dropped off. I don't know if it was just that the fish sort of shut down because the front was getting closer, it was starting to snow a little mm-hmm. bit more, or whether, you know, if it was just uh, that I caught a bunch of fish in the areas that I could get to effectively and I needed to wait for new fish to move in. But I quit around, I ended up quitting around one or so so I could get back with, and wouldn't have too much snow to get back through and it took me a while to get back because it was snowing a lot i had to take it easy how big of an area were you covering here i mean was this a quarter mile along the blank or was this 
a little hundred yard stretch. Well, see, I never played football. <laughs> so I really like I have no idea what a hundred yards looks like except on TV. And that is no help. I'm terrible at like estimating distances. Uh, but yeah, I would say probably there was maybe one stretch that's like a hundred yard, maybe one stretch that's about 150 yards, and then another stretch that's about 50, 75 yards. This is a you know a guess. This is sure. could be totally wrong. Are these like side by side to each other, or I mean, are they? They're pretty far? close. They're pretty close to each other. Okay. And then what were you fishing with? How were you catching them? Well, I was throwing a. I feel seven like I'm inch. writing a press release here. <laughs> these are the same questions that I ask our anglers. Hey, but. that's that's fine by me. Uh, so I was throwing a. Seven-inch osprey line through swim bait uh, in light hitch. Just color I use it a lot on Smith Mountain Lake, and I just happened to have it, so I threw that. Uh, I was throwing 17-pound trilene 100% <laughs> fluorocarbon on a uh, seven-foot nine-inch medium or seven-foot nine-inch extra heavy, extra fast carrot stick from five years ago that I was given as a graduation gift from high school. Uh, still going strong. And I was throwing, and the reel I used was an Abu Garcia Revo 3, uh, third generation, 7-to-1, um, <laughs> left-handed uh, STX. So, All right. <laughs> there you go, podcast you fans. Go. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was throwing a big swim bait, and I also threw a swim jig some. So Glazed over that. those, but yeah, okay. That'll oh, work. You know, we, we, do you want me to go in-depth about broke the swim it down. jig? I, I, think I can do that if you want. I think we're good. Either way, it looked like a sweet day from the pictures, and I was pretty jealous. Oh, yeah. It was a well-worth-it day off. It was fantastic. All right. So, I don't know if you heard, but there was a little tournament going on on Lake Gunnersville last weekend. Yeah, it was, uh, what, like the ABA, something like that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no. I, know it, I know the one you're talking yes, about, Yes, the Bassmaster Classic. Uh Congratulations to Randy Howell. It was a great tournament. Did you happen to watch any of the coverage? Any uh, thoughts on the event? You know, I popped a, I popped around a little bit. I watched I watched some of it. I sort of hung around on Twitter and, you know, kind of was a little bit snarky at times. Uh, <laughs> Not you. No, never. That would never happen. Um, yeah, I was really rooting for, hard for Mueller. Um, oh, and my fantasy team did awesome. Really? I finished 85th overall in, like, the 90 eighth or 99th percentile wow had my best fantasy fishing day i've ever had did you win anything no that? no okay no. but i did great that's all i needed um that's pretty good yeah the, so you were rooting for the mueller the guy who brought me down was kvd he was the worst guy on my team wow. never should have picked him he's a terrible <laughs> fisherman that kevin van dam <laughs> um i saw tharp leading after day one and i was just thinking was oh my god this, gonna, is, this is oh, going to happen. I was sure it was going to happen, too. Yeah. I was like, Tharp's got the lead. Nobody's going to take it from Day him. two, I mean, he was he just slipped a little bit. He was still right there. It was like... Well, he had some motor troubles day two. I think he might have won it all if he hadn't had the motor troubles on day two. Because that took a chunk of his time out. He'd been able to capitalize, you know, and then maybe make the adjustment on day three. Because it sounded like he ran out of fish. But, man, that, I thought he might do it. Yeah, that was close. That would have been a great story. I mean, for... For all, the fishing industry, for all both companies, you know. Oh yeah, to have a two time uh, a champion of the Forestwood Cup and the Classic at the same time, that would have been super cool. Because we haven't had that yet. It was a fun tournament to watch. I I will give them that. And uh, congratulations to Randy Howell. Great come from behind victory. Uh, made for a 
a fun uh, Sunday evening. Yeah, uh, but the reason I was, it was fun. Um, the reason I was rooting for Mueller, though, he's a Northeast guy. He fishes a bunch of Rayovacs. Um, you know, I want to see Northeast guys do well. That's I'm always rooting yeah, he's for from them. Connecticut, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, congratulations to BASS Randy Howell. It was a great event, and uh, props, props to them. Kind of overlooked though in all this news, of the you know, everybody was uh, had their eyes on on that. Everybody missed the big Daryl Robertson story. Did you see this? So I don't. I saw this. Um, all right. Well, let me break it down real quick before you give your opinion here. But uh, Castro Pro Daryl Robertson, former Forestwood Cup champion, he announced his candidacy last candidate candidacy last word. week. For uh, the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, District 2 in Oklahoma. He's running as a Republican, uh, looking to... Against another Republican. Yeah. Repu- I, th- I thought that was interesting. Well, I believe that's just in the primary. So he's he's running for the nomination against the other Republican incumbent, Mark Wayne Mullen, who I honestly don't know a whole lot about. But So he's going to be going for the Republican nomination, basically. Uh, no Democratic candidates have been announced yet. So he's basically running against another Republican. For or the Republican like third... nomination. Well, if you said there's been no Democratic candidates announced yet, though. But then... there will be. Oh, you think there will be? Oh, I'm absolutely 100% positive oh, there I will be. Oh, I doubt it. No. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, I just assume Oklahoma's a really, you know, it's a pretty conservative place. I would think there's... Very unli- it's very it's unlikely Ooh, that there'll be. A- I would bet you a lot of money on that. I would guarantee that there will be a Democrat on the ballot, whether oh, whether well, Robertson makes the uh, whether makes it Democrat to the final the ballot, ballot through the primary. But uh, okay, well, we, maybe we will consider. Maybe I will do some research and we'll consider adding this as a bet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find more about. Dale Robertson and his run at his new uh, campaign Twitter address, at Robertson2014, okay, or uh, his new website, Robertson2014.com, and I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever had a uh, fisherman who has at the same time been, you know, working for the federal government, uh, which would be kind of neat. I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you think he would keep fishing if he won? Well, he says he plans to fish the FLW Tour uh, at least, well, let me see here. He plans to fish the remainder of the 2014 Walmart FLW Tour, and he's planning on campaign in between the tournament stops. And then uh, after that, he's going to play by ear. So, I mean, maybe I, I can't see him having the time to return the FLW Tour if he happens to be elected. Yeah, from what I've seen of House of Cards and the West Wing, it would be pretty <laughs> tough to swing both campaigning and being in politics and being an FLW tour angler at the same time. I think it'd be very cool to have a Forest Wood Cup champion in the uh, U.S. House of Representatives, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm all for that. I don't, well, I think that would be cool. I don't know if I'm all for that because I don't know uh, Daryl Robertson's politics yet. And sure. So I would have to make a personal judgment on that front. But, yeah, it would be really a kind of a cool fact for sure. Check out his website, Robertson2014.com. And uh, you'll learn all about his politics and his uh, what his campaign is you running guys can, on. So. You Oklahomans can, Oklahomans. I think Oklahomans. O- and you Oklahomans, you Okies. Yeah, you Oklahomans in the Okie division of the BFLs can go make that decision yourself. <laughs> well, oh, sorry. Next on the agenda. Look at the that. BFL I even had up. a. 
I even had a segue there, and I oh, forgot no. about our agenda. I was talking right. about the Oki division of the BFL. All right, so let's <laughs> let's pretend we're just wrapping up the Robertson conversation. So check out his website, Robertson2014.com. Yeah, and okay, I can't make this segue work <laughs> now. Sorry, but yeah, so we're gonna talk a little bit about BFLs. Uh, we had two of them over the weekend. This was kind of a you know, usually I sit down Monday, come into work, type the results out, and then I got to start calling BFL guys to find out how they caught their fish. And for this one, I wasn't able to get in touch with either of them. Um, kind of disappointing, but what yeah, do you do? It's a bummer, but you know what? There's not Answer really your phones, fellas. That. Come on. Well, so Larry LeHue, Shane LeHue's grandfather, Shane mm-hmm. LeHue fishing as a pro in the FLW Tour this year, uh, Larry LeHue finished first in the bfl on lake norman uh he caught 19 pounds three ounces and he was throwing a shane's baits umbrella rig is that uh, the one you were talking about a few weeks back like the one that shane created or modified or something yeah well shane created the is shane's baits shane lehue yes okay um shane created the 10 wire uh not 10 wire nine watt or nine bait rig um, which they can't throw in BFL competition now, so they've scaled it down. But he still makes a variety of different Alabama rigs. Um, Shane actually finished second in that tournament, caught 17 pounds, 10 ounces. Was he throwing his own rig as well? The yes. Shane rig? Yes. Okay. Their, their, uh, their Alabama rigs took first and second place in that event, which is not a surprise at all. Um, although, granted, I didn't get in touch with them to confirm. This is just what I've sort of been told, and I wasn't able to interview, if that makes sense. Sure. The other BFL we had that weekend, um, it was in the Arky division, which I don't say funny, like, choo-choo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Arky! It was on Lake Dardanelle, and Brandon Lee of Ratcliffe, Arkansas, which I like pronouncing it. I don't know if... I don't know how you would pronounce, like, Ratcliffe, if you would maybe say it faster or emphasize one or the other, but I'd sort of like emphasizing both, like Ratcliffe. As Is though it a T or a D? Like Ratcliffe or Radcliffe? R-A-T, cliff. Hmm. I like to imagine it, it's like rats going over a cliff instead of lemmings going over a cliff. <laughs> but anyway, he caught 24 pounds, 15 ounces, almost 25 wow. pounds of bass, crushed them, and I assume he caught him on an Alabama rig. It's my guess. But you haven't talked to him, so you can't confirm. Never did talk to him. That um, is a huge weight for Lake Dardanelle, though. Yeah, it's it's a big time big time bag. Um, you know, Larry LeHue, he texted me at the end of the day. He'd been on a plane all day, so that was why. Traveling man. I never heard anything from Lee. He hmm. his phone could have been dead. I don't I don't know. But one of the interesting things that I saw about that tournament didn't uh, Larry Nixon's brother have a like top five finish there or something? Top three, uh, Leyland Nixon from Bree Bear. B Branch, Arkansas, caught 21 pounds, 3 ounces. Hmm. So he did really well, too, which is kind of cool. I wonder if he got any tips from his brother. I don't know. I would I would think I, it might be worth asking, but then again, you know. <laughs> He's probably been he fishing his whole there. life, He's probably sure. been fishing there before. Yeah. I don't know if you necessarily need to always ask tips. What's next thing on our agenda? Uh, next thing I got to talk about is Minn Kota brought back their Lockdown a Talon Facebook promotion. Uh, just in time for the new fishing season, four lucky winners will receive the new 12-foot Talon model, which is their deepest shallow anchor, shallow water anchor on the market. 
The contest runs through March 16th, so just before St. Patty's Day. To enter, all you got to do is go to the Facebook, the Mincota's Facebook page at facebook.com slash Mincota, like the page, and then uh, click that on the Lockdown of Talent tab. Fill out the info, and you're in. I mean... Yeah, I've entered for that. Are you? Oh, yeah. I, I am, too. It's a great way to uh, get in. They're giving away four of them. It's easy. I dig it. I could use a talent. Definitely. Who couldn't? I don't think I would keep it, though. I think I would try and sell it and buy two shorter ones. Random drawings will select a weekly winner uh, every week. There was one selected on Monday, oh, the 24th. Uh, Monday, March 3rd <laughs> will be your next opportunity. March 10th and then March 17th. They're announcing a winner uh, each day. So, yeah, get in on that. Cool, very cool. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got a Twitter chat with Cody Meyer. 10 o'clock Central, probably the same time as you're listening to this podcast. So either go join in on that or you missed it. Yeah, yeah. If you are listening to this podcast right now, fire Cody off a question. Ask him about the pod. Yeah, 10 Central, February 27th. Yep, Thursday, February 27th. Um, Did you get to see the new Project Z series from Z-Man? I did. I dig it. Yeah, what do you, what do you think? The first episode wasn't crazy about it. For whatever reason, it just seemed like it was a little bit slower. Maybe it was a little bit different than the second episode. Second episode, really cool. For um, people who may not know what we're talking about, uh, Outdoor Flicks launched a premiere of Project Z, which is basically a competition miniseries. It's almost like a reality show featuring uh, professional anglers sponsored by Z-Man, and they're only allowed to use Z-Man products. Uh, they have some creative ways of getting around. <laughs> just saying forcewood cup champion uh luke clausen is one of is one of the qualifiers he's competing against uh elite series pros david walker and stephen browning and yeah it's a really cool show they're out on lake gunnersville they're given basically challenges you said you you liked episode two better what did you like better about episode two i don't really know i i don't know for sure i just know i liked it better i think there was a little more straight-up fishing in Episode 2 and a little bit less explaining, perhaps. Um, so I like that. I don't know. It was, it's, a, it's a cool little deal. I, I like it. I want to see, see more companies do this. Definitely. I think it's fun. The producers say they were inspired by you know other reality shows like Top Chef, Swamp People, The Amazing Race, stuff like that. So they're kind of trying to follow that path. It is I, definitely... It is sort of, a, I guess, Top Chef and... It's it is a little bit like a cooking show where they're given ingredients because mm-hmm. they have to they get to pick out what yeah they get to like they've got the table of baits amount. sure um so I I think that's kind of cool it's a fun concept and I would love to see more companies you know follow this path yeah for sure uh you can find the episode two on flwoutdoors.com as we speak we I think we posted it on Wednesday morning so be sure to check that out yep. uh. Some more news. Did you see who the new number one angler at BassFan.com is? Yes, I did. Andy Morgan was announced uh, yesterday, Tuesday the 25th, as the new BassFan world champion. Kind of crazy. He hasn't won a tournament. I mean, to be named number one without winning anything is just a testament to his consistency, really. Yeah, the thing is, he's been number one via Bass rankings, which does a separate ranking mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, and that's understandable because Bass Rankings doesn't give a bump to winners. Bass Fan does. They give an extra bonus 
to in their sure. formula. To yeah, guys Christie's been number one for a long time. Christie had been number one for a lot because he'd mm-hmm. had a number of wins close together. And you know, uh, without that, without that winning bump, it's obviously going to be hard for him to make it. So really, it's a testament to he's done awesome, which is cool. I, it's fun to see, you know, the two best systems for ranking anglers. It's fun to see them agree. A couple other FLW Tour pros jumped quite a bit in the rankings. So you mentioned uh, the winners tend to get a bump. Well, uh, Okeechobee Tour winner Brett Height jumped 63 places. He was in 99th. He's now ranked 36th in the world, so kind of cool there. Stetson Blaylock, who finished runner-up in FLW, the Kellogg's FLW Angler of the Year standings last year, he made his debut inside the top 10. He debuted at number 7, so he's getting a little more respect as well now too. Yeah, and he certain both of those guys deserve respect. So I'm looking forward to see how well how they do this season. I'm sure Stetson will do well. It'll be neat to see if Hike can carry his momentum that he already garnered and see what that can you know, if momentum means anything. <laughs> My fantasy team says it does. So yeah. speaking of fantasy fishing, this is basically gonna be one of our last opportunities to talk about it. Uh, I've been going nuts. Like being a pundit this year, I have to have my picks in fairly early. Like basically, I'm gonna have my have to, have to have my Sam Rayburn picks in by the time we go to Hartwell or shortly after, which is kind of driving me nuts because I'm a tinkerer and I like to play with my roster and I really can't do it. There's a lot of guys in this event that have had you know good practice pre practice reports. Of kind of like after reading the other pundits, Jody, give us your breakdown of uh, your fantasy fishing roster. I don't know if you have it in front of me. I just brought it up. Perfect. H- how are you feeling heading to this event? I'm. I've lost my confidence that I had when I first wrote my picks. Here's the thing. I love my team. I love what I was able to do with it, and probably one of the big things that I was able to do with it. One of the reasons I like it so much is that I didn't take Brent Ayler which is a tough decision to make because, boy, he's really good. What are you fiddling with over there? I'm trying to bring up my roster right now oh, really okay. quickly and you're, slyly. You're kind of concerning me. You're, like, leaning away. I'm like, is something wrong with the recording? <laughs> What's going on here? But anyhow, so I took Keith Amerson. He had a good finish at Okeechobee. Just got a hunch. He's a cheap angler. You know, I needed some guys to fill out. I took Stetson Blaylock. I think he's actually been selected by a lot of people. I think he is ridiculously undervalued in this event. I'm all about having him on my team. I took Greg Bohannon. Did you know Stetson Blaylock has not missed a check in, like, over two years? Like, every single FLW Tour event from the past two years, he's cashed a check in. I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. It's a crazy fact. So, yeah, I took uh, Blaylock. I took Greg Bohannon. He's coming off a really good finish. Momentum. Maybe a little momentum. Maybe a little bit. You know what? Beaver Lake's kind of a diverse type lake. It's a, it's one of his home lakes. It's similar to Hartwell a little bit. I'm I'm hoping that he can have a good finish at Hartwell. I'm not looking for him to be a top ten guy, but I think he's got a good shot sure. to do well, be a consistent. That's really anchor. the key to winning. I mean, not having the hundred and sixtieth, hundred and fiftieth place guys. Yeah, you've got to have a lot of guys in the top thirty or so. Um, I took Luke Clawson. I think he's just. I think he was a good value. He's too good of an angler to count out. I took Mark Daniels Jr. I thought he was a good value. And I think, you know, he's a versatile he's a versatile angler. You know, 
We've seen him do really well in some grass lakes, mm-hmm. but I think he's a good fisherman. I took Shane LeHue, my boy. You know, <laughs> the Hartwell, Shane rig can't throw the Shane rig. He can't, but I tell you what, Hartwell has some docks in it, and man, this guy's from North Carolina. He can fish some docks, so I'm not worried about that pick at all. I took Cody Meyer, who I mean, he's Cody Meyer. He's if he get if that deep bite is on, it is on. I took Andy Montgomery. He's roughly a local. He's a good fisherman. It's Mark Rose's pick. Yeah, uh, which I'm all about. I think he's a good guy. I think he's going to do well in that event. And then I took Andy Morgan, who number one angler in the world. Uh, and the water's a little bit up this year, so I think that's a good deal. And then I took John Murray, who is another one of those deeper type guys, um, another sort of Western style angler. I really making my team. I ended up with a balance between guys who I thought would be really good a good bet to get on that deep spot bite and guys who i thought were going to be a really good bet to do well in the shallower bite and you know we'll see if i'm going to reserve the right to change if it (laughs) you know it creeps up toward the edge of the tournament and all of a sudden we see that you know we hear about oh it's a shallow water deal the fish are up in the bushes the water's up then i might change all this and i might drop you know I might drop Murray and Cody Meyer off the list, and I might, you know, find myself trying to add on a uh, a Brian Thrift and trying See, to find room for him. I so. wish I could do that. I want Thrift on my team now. After uh, everything I've been reading and you know hearing, I want Thrift on my team. But being a pundit, I've already written this column and I've gotten all my explanations of why I pick these guys. I can't go in and change it. it it's kind of driving me nuts. Well, what you need to do is. Use a separate email address. Yeah. Make up yourself another team. Then I, yeah, would lose all eligibility for any prizes. Not that I'm eligible anyways, but, yeah, creating multiple accounts is not a good way to go. It's a good way to get yourself disqualified and lose out on the prize money. I'm just saying, you know, if you want to see how you would do with your pundit team versus the team you picked right before the event, it could be a way to go. You're an I, FLW employee. You can't get prizes anyway. I know. I still like to win, though. It's the pride. I'm going to throw out a few names from my team. I'm not going to run down my whole team because if you go to fantasyfishing.com, you can check it out. If as you're long a as, Yeah, which you should be anyways. But yeah. I'll throw out a few names that I kind of like that are uh, not widely known. Uh, the first guy that I really like is Barton Aiken. He's actually what they call them the dentist because he is a dentist down in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. But he's basically – I've got to feel like he – this tournament right here – is the reason that he's fishing the FLW Tour this year. I mean, before this year, he had fished six total tournaments with FLW, all at the BFL level. Five of them were on Lake Hartwell. So basically, this is his home lake. Now he joined the FLW Tour this year as a rookie. I've got to imagine this has been, I I said in my my, uh, column, he's had this date circled on his calendar for a long time. He's been looking forward to this tournament. I think at a price of 13 bucks, it's very reasonable, and uh, he's worth a shot for your fantasy team. One other guy that I really like, Travis Fox out of uh, Rogers, Arkansas. He's down at the $3 level, and I believe he's very undervalued here. Um, last time when we were here in 2012, he finished in 17th place. He had a great showing uh, in that event. The first time we were here back in 2011, he finished in 148th, so he had a really disappointing finish. However, he had a solid limit on that first day, but due to uh, mechanical problems, I believe, he didn't make it back to takeoff. So 
it was one of those uh, Dave Lefebvre at Okeechobee deals where he zeroed on day one, and he bounced back with a strong day two. But, I mean, he still finished in 148th and didn't cash a check. But I think at 3 bucks, he's definitely worth a shot. So there's a few guys uh, I happen to like. Jody, do you happen to have those stats at all, that uh, fantasy fishing stats? Like, I know some uh, some people tweeted at us asking, you know, how many people had Brett Height on their team for Okeechobee, stuff like that. Yeah, well, so here's, I feel like an idiot. I've got an email. I failed to print it out, but I'm going to go to that email now. I okay. do remember that Brett Height that three percent is only three percent of people and i don't know how many hmm. that equals in numbers but only three percent of competitors had said i want brett height on my team wow the, which is really kind of cool i imagine that those three percent did really well i looked at the final top 10 and you know added up their salary values and what it would have cost you if you wanted to buy all of those 10 guys and it would have it was just over 200 dollars. i want to say it was like 210 or something like so, hypothetically, you could have owned the top nine guys for underneath your salary cap, which was kind of cool, I thought. Yeah, that is really cool. My email's being stupid right now, so. Okay, well, let me uh, take a minute here to bring it up. Okay, so I got the email now. Basically, the who do you think the pro that was most chosen was? Tarp. By, yes, by a substantial amount. 44% of all fantasy players had Tharp on their team, which was kind of a no-brainer he was on my team yeah no kidding um the least chosen pro to make the top 10 james watson leon williams and cody meyer all three were at under two percent of fantasy players had them in their top 10 brett height was at three percent so i don't just kind of interesting information i guess yeah for sure i think the uh yeah i think that's pretty cool that we had a top 10 that was, you know, expected to do well. But, uh, I mean, they're good fishermen, but certainly it was a surprising top 10. Let's give a shout-out to our uh, our league winner as well, the a Plaid Rapwood Rock League. Uh, Cody Fur actually won that first event. Unfortunately, we cannot see his team, which drives me nuts. I wish we could see his angers that he started. Maybe he can email in to podcast at flwoutdoors.com and tell us who was on his team. I would like to know. He blew away the field. I mean, he scored 1,787 points to win. Second was like 1,599. So, I mean, he won by a substantial margin. I would like to know who was on his team. So, Cody, if you're listening, email us, man. We want to hear uh, hear your advice and uh, get some picks for Hartwell, too. Sounds good. Okay, moving on, uh, got some high school fishing news. We're going to have Scott Martin on here shortly to talk a little high school fishing. But first, I just wanted to uh, preview the Anderson Open and the South Carolina State Championship. These two events have been combined by the TBF, FLW, and the SAF, the Student Angler Federation. This event will be taking place on Saturday, March 8th, basically right in the middle of the Lake Hartwell Tour event. And uh, they're doing it on Lake Russell, which is very near Lake Hartwell. So we're going to be able to kind of combine our resources. This South Carolina State Championship is a two-person team event for students in grades 9 through 12. Uh, You can still register. You can go to highschoolfishing.org. Anybody or any high school angler can sign up. Top 10% of the field will advance to the FLW TBF High School Conference Championship. From there, from that tournament, the top 10% of the conference championship 
will advance to the High School Fishing National Championship, which will be held in spring of 2015. Good stuff. So, yeah, you can pre-register online right now, highschoolfishing.org, or you can sign up at the event itself. However, there is a late registration fee if you do that, so sign up online. And, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a great opportunity for some high school anglers. Yeah, I never really fished in high school. You know, I fished uh, on a bass club, um, but I didn't, you know, compete against other high school students. It's definitely something I wish I'd taken advantage of or tried to do. It certainly is a cool deal. I think if I read my social media news correctly that Scott Martin actually had a couple of the competitors that will be competing in this event on his program or filmed with them or something like that. So we'll have to make sure to ask him about that when we get him on. Yeah, that'd be cool to know. All right. Uh, anything else we got to talk about? The College Na- Fishing National Championship. You've been talking to uh, some anglers, right? You've been talking to quite a few. Yeah, I've talked to a bunch of guys. We've got a preview article going up on the site. Jody's uh, writing a story. Yeah. I'm... Collegefishing.com. Well, yeah, and I think it should go up uh, tomorrow, I imagine. Or, well, I Friday. said tomorrow. Uh, and I think it's going up on Thursday. Okay. So probably the day that this podcast is yeah, so posted. It'll probably be around soonish. Um, and you can go check that out. But, yeah, I talked to a bunch of guys at... Sounds like, you know, they've got a pretty cool, some of the guys have pre-fished, some of the guys obviously haven't, but I think it's going to be a good tournament. I think it's going to be a close tournament. I think it's going to be really, it might be a little bit similar to what we saw at Beaver Lake, uh, maybe with a few less largemouth and a few more spotted bass, but I think it's going to be kind of fun. I think it's going to go down to the wire. This is not one that a team is going to run away with. Any uh, predominant patterns that we're going to see? Alabama rig? May, well, maybe. We might see the Alabama rig. We might see a lot of drop shot type deal. A lot of it, from what I can tell, is weather dependent. Because there's fish, there's bass in that lake right now that are 60 feet deep, 45 feet deep, really deep. Um, big football jig bass, maybe drop shot bass, stuff like that. So, the sort of fish that Brent Ayler is known for fishing for on Hartwell. Sure. Weather depending, you know, if if that if the, if some fish move up, all of a sudden we could have a event where there's a lot more fish maybe caught up near the bank on you know jigs, crankbaits, stuff like that. So, I think whether it's a deep bite type deal that dominates, or whether it's a shallow classic pre-spawn type bite, a lot of that has to do with the weather. There's also a power plant on the lake, so there is some hot water coming into it, and that's warm gonna... water discharge. Isn't that the the preferred term that we use yeah that's that's the term we ended up going with sounds kind of gross <laughs> anyways well, it didn't sound gross until you told me it sounded gross so now i'm thinking of it and i'm like yeah that is kind of disgusting but <laughs> yeah so there is a hot hole on the lake a hot hole there we go that's okay. the term that's the term i prefer hot hole i don't know why that's i guess just what i first heard um and that's going to play a factor, too, because you can catch fish. There could be fish spawning in that. I've seen fish in January on Lake Norman spawning in the hot holes there. So, you know, there's obviously some fish that can school around that, follow the bait around in that. And, you know, maybe we'll see a lot of guys cluster around there. You know, you could have a, you could have a team that happens upon a school of busting spotted bass in the hot hole, catches a limit on a Sammy on a topwater in five minutes you know it could happen so that's that's sort of an interesting wrench in the works there's blueback there's a lot of threadfin shad in the lake so we'll see i think you know every i think we'll see a lot of changes 
in the leaderboard. I think it's going to be hard to be consistent. Everything I talked about, talking to the anglers, you know, they said you could have one really good day, go back there, those fish wouldn't be there the next day. It was sounds like the fish, are, the fish are moving around a lot. Any weight predictions from any of these guys? Yeah, so I got a uh, I got a thirty six pound weight prediction, I believe. This is a three day t- tournament, yes, right? Yes, a okay. three day event. I got a 30, 36 pounds to win. I got forty pounds to win. I got forty two pounds to win. One guy said his goal was to go and catch fifteen pounds a day. I don't think that's happening. Hmm. I think that high thirty. I think that mid to high thirties is probably where we're going to see our winning weight be. What team gave you the forty two pound prediction? The Virginia Tech team. That's my pick. I'm picking them to win. <laughs> well, I tell you what, John and Ricky, uh, John Woodward, Ricky Cassabom, um, John's graduated. Ricky's a senior right now. They're both good fishermen. They certainly could. Uh, they could. They could do it. And you know, Virginia Tech's won a lot of national. Well, we've won a couple national championships. No, we've only won one. <laughs> we've been to a lot of national championships. We need to lock up an FLW national championship. Uh, it's been a while since our last national championship, and we're due, man. So. I'd love to see it happen. As always, you can follow. Go <laughs> Sorry, can I'm not biased. Follow all of Wait. the uh, college fishing national championship action at FL, actually collegefishing.com, as well as the live weigh-ins at flwlive.com for each day. So, with that being said, we've talked for a long time now. Let's get Scott Martin on the phone. Sounds like a good deal. All right. And now we're joined by Scott Martin. He's won a Forestwood Cup. He's a perennial contender on Okeechobee. He's one of the FLW. any lake we go to. He's a perennial contender. Come on. Well, all right. Any lake we go to, especially on Okeechobee, when we go to his home lake, uh, he's a phenomenal angler on the FLW tour. He's got a TV show. Scott, how are you? Well, I'm doing good. I'm doing good this morning. I'm looking at my temperature in my truck, and it says icy conditions. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you are cold, not man. in Florida, then? My blood is way too thin for all this uh, cold weather. <laughs> Where are I, you at? Uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the road traveling. We've been filming some episodes of my show, the Scott Martin Challenge, over in the Shreveport, Louisiana area. And now I'm over at Gunnersville doing some, uh, playing with some new Garmin technology. They have some new down view and side view stuff. So we've been uh, out here in Gunnersville the last few days looking at all these new units. Nice, very nice. Uh, that's always a cool deal. So, oh, yeah. I, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, uh, not only are you an exceptional angler, but this year you're doing a bunch of stuff with college fishing and high school fishing. So I was hoping we could talk to you sort of a little bit about that. But my first question is a little more general. What was your fishing experience in high school? Did you... Do any competing in high school? Were you fishing with your dad? What was what was your fishing experience like growing up? Well, they didn't have the high school fishing teams back then or even college at that at that point. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not a real old guy, but they didn't have it back then. Uh, you know, this is all stuff that's just come about in the last five years really here in the sport. But uh, you know, growing up, yeah, I fished a lot. You know, it was one of the reasons I didn't play on the football team. They always wanted me to play football each year and I said, No, I that's going to cut into too much of my fishing time. So I spent a lot of days after school, uh, you know, in a boat on Lake Okeechobee, fishing a lot of the little weekend tournaments with my friends that were my age. So I remember fishing uh, fishing tournaments when I was 15 years old 
14 and 15 years old with, with again, my friends that were the same age. And when we would win money in the tournaments, they'd have to write the checks to my mom because uh, legally they couldn't, uh, couldn't give us money. So it was, uh, it was fun. I grew up, you know, on the water just about, uh, every day I was doing something on the water, whether it was fishing or hunting or, you know, I remember getting up in the mornings before school during duck season and shooting my limited ducks before first period. So, um, I was on the water every day and, and I uh, fished a lot in high school. I you know, fished a lot and then went off to college and drug a boat with me and barely, uh, barely was able to get to class because I kept looking at the boat realizing, should I go to class or should I go fishing? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go to college? Well, I went up uh, went to Florida for a little while, Santa Fe Community College, and then I ended up up at University of West Alabama and uh, been back, back in Florida again, so. It was uh, it was fun. It was uh, I fished a lot more than I went to class. I'm sure there was good fishing at both of those places, though. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. That's the only reason I went to University of West Alabama is because the fishing and the hunting. Most people look at schools, you know, based on their degree and based on different things. I said, well, fishing's pretty good there, and the hunting's pretty good. I think we're going to school there. Scott, I read your blog earlier this week on uh, flwoutdoors.com. Great work on that. But uh, you mentioned that you were filming your TV show on the Red River and you were competing against some high school anglers. Is that correct? We did. We actually filmed it on Caddo Lake, you know, right there by the Red River. Okay. We, fished. we, had, uh, we had two gentlemen on my show that day, that uh, Chad Polson and Cameron Madison. And those are the, uh, one of the teams, one of the five teams that will compete in the high school national championship next week uh that's running in conjunction with our lake hartwell flw tournament so uh really an awesome opportunity for the kids and and it was an awesome opportunity for me to have them on the show these uh these kids are good fishermen and that's the one thing that's so cool about this high school and college fishing is that the learning curves and these kids are learning so much about competitive fishing at an early age Man, I mean, the sport is just growing fast, and, and the, the knowledge these anglers have by the time they they get out of school and they start really competing at, at this level is just going to be amazing. I mean, it, this this sport's going to get a lot harder to uh, to compete in based on these kids uh, getting involved in this sport at such an early age. Cool. Now, I've got here on my podcast agenda that you're going to be visiting some local high schools around Hartwell. What are people... What can the students expect to see? Are, what are you going to be talking about? Well, you know, we'll kind of play it by ear, really. But, you know, I'm sure I'll be giving them some great, great advice on, on how, to, how to, you know, grow in this sport and, and just be there to maybe answer some questions. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of fishing questions in general and, and, and want to know some, some secret tips and secret fishing techniques. And <laughs> I'm going to be sharing a lot of that with them. And, but really just encouraging them and, and really hopefully – Hopefully, with the advice that I can give them, you know, point them in the right direction and, and keep them uh, keep them headed the way they need to, to be going to, to be successful in the sport. You know, because you've got to do it right. You know, you've got to do it right. You've got to do a good job on and off the water. And and, uh, and I want to be able to talk about that. Cool. Now, we know you're going to be a little more involved in high school fishing type stuff. I believe you're also going to be doing more with college fishing. Um, Justin Lucas sort of had, I guess, sort of had this role prior to you, and he really became a pretty beloved figure among college fishermen. What, what's your role going to look like on that front? 
Well, you know, it's, we haven't started the whole thing yet, but, you know, yeah, I'm going to do a lot of what Justin did. You know, I'm going to be hosting some of the events with Jason Harper, some of the some of the televised opportunities nice. that they have, whether it's championships and stuff. And, and again, just being there and, and traveling around, and, and uh, I'll be going to a lot of their meetings, a lot of their uh, registration meetings, being there to just to hang out with them a lot of times. I mean, just being around those anglers I, I think is cool, you know, and, and again, uh, having the opportunity for those those guys and, and girls to come up to me and and uh, you know ask questions and and just be be around uh, be around some some be around myself and some of the other good anglers that are probably going to be helping out. It's just a good opportunity for uh, for the sport. What a valuable resource for those college guys. I mean, you need some advice? Go ask the Forest Wood Cup champion. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah, I that's think right. that's really cool. And I mean, there's there's a tremendous amount of passion for fishing at that level. So I think, definitely. you know, as much as these guys are going to have a chance to learn from Scott, I think, I think Scott, you're definitely going to enjoy being around them. <laughs> it's my guess. Anyhow. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I've got a flat bill hat. I was trying to sport, but I just don't think I can pull that one off. So I'm going to go back to my regular hat. So, uh, it, awesome. it is funny to see how this sport is really a lot more style and, and, and a lot more, uh, a lot more, you know, creative, uh, creative thinking is coming in with these college kids and the high school kids. So it's fun. And I'll probably learn a little bit, uh, learn a little bit from these guys as well. So I'm looking forward to the role. I'm, I'm very honored and proud to be, you know, involved with FLW and in the, in the high school and the college, college aspect of it. And, uh, you know, we're going to do some opportunities as well uh, going forward where we're going to have some more opportunities for these, these guys and gals to be on the show with me, uh, which would be a great opportunity for them. Well, let's move the topic, I guess, over to Lake Hartwell a little bit and preview that. Uh, have you been able to uh, visit Lake Hartwell since we've last been there two years ago? Or have you heard anything about the lake? Well, how is that going to be no, shaping up for you? I, I haven't been able to get out and practice, you know, do any pre Pre-fish, and unfortunately, with my schedule, I, I, that's a very sure. rare occasion that I have time to, to go out before any cutoffs or anything like that. So, you know, I'd say ninety percent of every tournament I've ever fish, you just you just basically show up the, the three days that you get. But you know, you always do research. You talk to as many people as you can that that might know a little bit about what's going on in the lake, and just try to gather gather some current information as far as lake levels. You know, of course, we've had a colder winter this year. Maybe how that's affecting the uh, the fish. The water levels are going to be totally different from the last time we were there. So, I, you know, I expect it. I actually expect it to be a really good tournament. I think there's going to be a lot of big fish caught, and I think uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, you can do obviously fish out deep, and you can obviously fish up shallow. I think you really just need to fish your strengths on a tournament like that. And the good thing about Hartwell is a lot of fish in the lake, and lots of different ways to catch them. So that really opens the door up for guys to have a lot of fun and, again, fish their strength. So I'm not real sure what I'm going to focus on. Like I said, I just got the new Garmin down view and side view. This technology that they, they, they're they one of the last ones to come to the market with this. But, but that being said, they really, really took advantage of some of the things that these other companies didn't sure. use in their technology. So I feel like I've got the best down view, side view, and mapping capabilities that are available right now. So I'm going to have to play around out deep and see if I can't find me a big old fit, a big old school of spotted bass or some out, out deep fish. But, you know, with the water levels up the way they are and a little bit of warm weather that they've had over the last 10 days, 
I think a good majority of fish are going to be shallow and stay shallow. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to head on over here in a couple days and go fish Clark's Hill, which is the lake just south of Hartwell, and spend a, a day and a half or so on that lake just to kind of just to kind of you know get get familiar with uh, that region. You know, it's not the same lake, but I'm sure it'll fish somewhat similar as far as patterns and water temperature and all the different things that, that, that are going on. So I'm going to spend a day and a half on Clark's Hill before I get to Hartwell. All right. Um, this Saturday uh, on Clark's Hill, there's a college fishing tournament, uh, just a regular standard in-season tournament. Are you going to be at that? No, Saturday I, I have a promotion uh, at another location that I won't be able to make make it to. Friday and Saturday may be tied up, so... Uh, we'll we'll start off all of our stuff uh, once the event gets in town. All right, cool. Um, I've got sort of a more general question about practicing, because I think pre-fishing well is sort of one of the biggest challenges an angler can face. You know, you you sort of have a reputation of really fishing to win all of the time. Yep. You know, maybe fishing, not just fishing to get a limit, but fishing to be in contention to win every time. How does that how do you practice? How does your practice work in toward that philosophy? Well, I, I obviously every lake's different, and uh, and every every situation's different. But you know, I, I, I'm really I really try to I really try to focus on catching the five biggest fish. I mean, I know that's a very simple answer. Concentrate on catching the five biggest fish, and, but that 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 way of doing that changes. Obviously, I, I've I've always been uh, I'm not content with. Uh, you know, with just getting a check. I mean, checks are great. Uh, obviously, I, I love a check when I get a check, and I need checks to, to cash as well. But, you know, nobody remembers 30th place or 40th place and all that. Angler of the Year would be an awesome title, so maybe if I was a little bit more consistent on, on getting those uh, those limits in the boat, I might might be in contention for Angler of the Year a little bit more often. But at the same time, I've been able to win six of the FLW Tour events over the years with the Forestwood Club Cup included. So... That's a big deal. I don't think anybody's. I think uh, I think I'm tied with someone else's the most tour wins. So, you know, I do. I really focus on trying to win and and try to put myself in, in the best position for that. Uh, it's a harder way of doing it, but uh, you know, I try to fish uh, fish big fish techniques. I, I'm not the type of guy that throws a shaky head very often. Uh, I'm not doing little fish type stuff, drop shots and things like that. I'm throwing big jigs crankbait, square bills, flipping, you know, I'm trying to really maximize, maximize uh, my opportunities with big fish. Cool. Scott, talk a little bit about your life on the road uh, when you're traveling the FLW Tour. Uh, where do you stay when you go to these events? You know, where do you eat? Are you a campground guy in a tent or are you staying in hotels? What's your life like? Uh, most of the time we rent houses. We have a couple guys that I travel with and we'll usually buy a house or some type of, uh, condo or something you know on or near the lake so most of the time we're doing that occasionally we do hotels if we can't find anything but okay. camping thing would be cool i just don't have an rv to travel around with or a, uh, i don't want to sleep in a tent that's a little <laughs> scary sometimes with the storms that we get in some of these places but uh but uh but yeah most of the time i'm renting houses uh my my, my food regimen is pretty simple I, I don't eat a lot in the mornings because we get up so early i eat beef jerky during the day and uh, and, I, and if there's a good sushi restaurant in the area, 
they're liable to see me just about every night. <laughs> <laughs> and I love eating sushi because I wake up the next morning and I don't feel all full from eating a big old steak or a big cheeseburger. So uh, I try to eat pretty light, try to stay in shape. It, it seems like uh, you can make better decisions. You know, I think that's a mistake some anglers make is they don't really watch their their eating habits and they don't eat healthy on the road. Sure. I can slow you down a little bit, you know, and I think if you, you know, really concentrate on high protein and, and uh, lower carbs and, you know, low fat, things like that, you can really and stay hydrated, obviously, drinking the right things. And, and uh, I think it, it really helps you perform. It really keeps you focused out there on the water. Okay, you mentioned that you travel with a, uh, a few anglers. Are, do you travel with the same group of guys to every event? And if so, who are they? And do you guys share information at all? I know a lot of guys, you know, Brett Height and Brent Ayler will kind of fill each other in on what's going on out there in their practice periods. Do you have any similar relationships on tour? Yeah, uh, my main guy that I travel with is Tom Reddington. He, he runs the Boy Scouts boat. We've been traveling oh, for about four years now. Yeah, we, we talk uh, throughout the day and, and uh, try to give each other encouragement or direction on what's going on. And, and uh, it's pretty much pretty much him that I work with. And we have another couple guys that travel as well. Uh, Rob Collins, he's kind of a new guy. And, and then we have a couple co-anglers that will usually stay with us uh, at different different places depending on the rooming situation so three or four of us that uh that travel around okay and uh, we seem to we seem to try to help out with you know that's a great thing about this sport is that you can you can you know you can help an angler out without telling them exactly what or where you're doing it you know and mm-hmm. so these lakes are big and you know a lot of times uh good information goes a long way with the guys that you can network with that are on the tour definitely Hey, back to your hydration point. Are you just a straight-up water guy on the boat, or do you have some other beverage of choice? Well, actually, there's this product, and I'm not even sponsored by them or anything, but I've been using it. It's been awesome. I do a lot of do a lot of working out on you know, during the, the off season and when I'm when I'm at home. And uh, there's a product called Squinchers, and it's like a powder. It's kind of like a powdered Gatorade, but it's called Squinchers, and it's it's a different formula than Gatorade. It has a lot more potassium and less salt than Gatorade has more salt and less potassium. So, anyway, that really keeps you hydrated well uh, and keeps you thinking really, really sharp. Uh, people don't realize how dehydrated you get being out there on the water. And, and as hard as some of the singers fish, we seem to forget to, to, to eat the right things and to drink the right things while we're fishing. Sometimes three or four hours goes by. And we're just casting and fishing, casting and fishing, and you just forget to drink anything. So I drink those squinchers. It gives me everything I need to kind of keep uh, keep my body feeling good and, you know, keep uh, keep my, my thoughts and keep, keep me refreshed. So I, I usually drink the squinchers. I'll mix them into my little water bottles, you know, and shake them up. And, uh, and that's the deal. I mean, that really, really works good. Cool. I'll take a look at that. Let's move on. I want to talk a little bit about uh, your Forest Wood Cup win and uh, the road to the Forest Wood Cup, basically. You had a very strong finish at Okeechobee, great start to the year. How do you like your chances going forth for the rest of the year? Obviously, we're heading to some of those, these deeper lakes where you know it's going to be a lot of uh, graph and meter fishing. Do you like your chances to uh, make Lake Murray? I do. Yeah, I think the, this year sets up well uh, for me and what I like to do. I mean, I love Pickwick. I've had some great success on the Tennessee River. 
Kentucky liked the same thing. I really enjoyed that lake and had some good success over the years. And and Hartwell and some of these other places were fishing. Rayburn, I, I'm excited. I, I, I don't – there's not one schedule uh, – there's not one tournament on my schedule that I'm real nervous about or confused of what to, uh, you know, kind of expect. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I think uh, Rayburn's going to be a neat tournament, you know, and going to be a lot of fun. Could be a lot of fun fishing these uh, fishing these tournaments up here. And then, of course, Lake Murray. Been there before. You know, I was there when uh, Michael Bennett won the tournament. So familiar with Murray as well. And it could be uh, could be a lot of fun. I think this is going to be just a really fun year. Beaver Lake, of course, we've been there so many times that uh, I, I know where every rock is and every dock. I think I think everybody does on the tour. We've been going there for so long. And so that's that's always a good tournament too. Beaver seems to be fishing a little bit better over the years, anyway. So. I'm excited about the whole year. When Rand- Randall Tharp won last year and then heading into the first event at Okeechobee, you know, everybody was talking to him about his practice and how his offseason had been, and he basically said he hadn't gotten a fish at all. He was on planes, you know, across the country. How much does your life change after winning that cup? I mean, how much do your obligations, do they do they rise? I mean... Talk oh, about yeah, that a little bit. They rise. I mean, it's the biggest thing in bass fishing. You know, you've got the Bassmasters Classic and you have the Forest Wood Cup, the two most coveted trophies in the sport. And uh, and and yeah, winning that, winning the Forest Wood Cup for me, you know, totally changed my life. Changed uh, changed everything. You know, I travel a lot more. I'm, I'm doing promotions and asked to be speaking uh, speaking engagements at different places based on that win. So it's good. You know, it's. Uh, you know, again, I've won five other tournaments uh, other than the Forestwood Cup over the years, big ones, tour events, and people they don't talk. You know, they talk about them, but but I'm known as the Forestwood Cup champ, and that's what's cool. You know, that's uh, it, it becomes part of your title, which is neat, and that that's something that only happens when you when you win that type of tournament. What would it mean to you to become the first ever two-time winner? Oh yeah, I mean that would be cool. I mean, I, you know, anybody, you know, that would be anybody's dream. So, you know, I've I've had some opportunities over the years to win a couple more. I, I, I gave a good run, you know, at at Lake Lanier uh, two years ago after I won, came in fourth, the one we don't won, and then a few years before that, I came in second when Luke Clawson edged me out by six ounces. So, um, hey, I'm I'm ready for it. You know, I, I want to just get out there and do the best I can and, and compete. And uh, to win two of them would be just, you know, obviously unprecedented. It'd be awesome. Okay. While we're sort of on the Forestwood Cup subject, if you could pick any lake at any time of year for the 2015 Forestwood Cup, and this is a question I really like asking now, where would you pick? Oh, Lake Okeechobee, man. Come on, really? <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a no-brainer, Jody. That's, I mean, that's yeah. what I figured, but you okay. know, I wanted to yeah. know. You never, you never that know. Would be, that would be that would be an interesting, interesting tournament because uh, in August the lake would fish completely opposite of how you've seen it fish over the last ten years or fifteen years that we've had the tour events there. So it would be an interesting, uh, it would be an offshore fishing tournament, believe it or not. There'd be guys way out in the lake on little rock piles and reefs and stuff. And so it would be a it would be a different look for Okeechobee. It would be a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, well, now I want to go there and see that. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be good. My next question, and 
you know, Joe, if you've got something, feel free to jump in, obviously. But you've got a new line of rods out with Akuma. And you've got most of these, a lot of these rods have, I think it's like a flipping guide or something. You've got a, a, a line guide way down the rod. Could you talk a little bit about what that guide is doing there and then maybe about the process of designing rods? Yeah, the flipping guide's on the flipping stick on the 7.6 and the 7.11 flipping rods, but uh, basically that allows your pull line from in front of that guide instead of pulling it from in front of your reel. So if you're doing the standard flip, you know, the actual definition of flipping, which we do, uh, you pull the line from in front of that, that guide that's just forward of the reel a little short bit. That prevents you from getting the, the line wrapped into the handles of the reel. Uh, which ha- is a common thing that happens when you pull a line from in front of the reel. When you pull it back, if your handle's out of position, it will wrap up around the handle, and you can lose a lot of fish or, you know, be distracted by trying to fix it. So having that guide in front allows you to pull a line and not get hung in the handle. Number two, it gives the rod extra support. So when you really, really hammer down on a big fish, it's just one extra guide there that adds support in the place that it needs it the most. And, uh, and so that's good. As far as the process of those rods, it was a really neat thing. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect when they asked me to, to design a, uh, a signature series rod. You know, I'd heard over the years that some of the signature rods that other companies have made, you know, they basically come to their pro with several different rods and kind of ask them to pick one that they kind of like the best, you know, that they can stick their name on. And that wasn't the case here. You know, they literally sat me down. They all had notepads, and they said, okay, start building your rod. Go ahead. What do you want? And I so I went through every aspect of uh, every aspect of building the rod, picked out every blank, every type of guide, where the guides go, the colors, the actions, everything, the name, you know, the entire thing, which was neat. Was So it truly is a signature series rod. And uh, they've been doing well. And we've sold a lot of them. Everybody's been excited about them. And I think they're pretty sharp looking, too. I, I didn't run a real bright white rod or one of those yellow rods. Uh, you know, for example, the white rods, every time I see, I look across the, uh, the lake, you know, I'm talking three or 400 yards, and I see a boat over on the shoreline. And if they have one of those white rods, I can tell you what that angler is doing. I can tell you whether they're fishing slow with some type of jig or worm. Or I can tell you if you're throwing a spinnerbait or a jerkbait, because I can see that rod. I mean, it's like glowing. And uh, as a competitor, I, I don't think that's a good idea, uh, because we're always paying attention to what our competitors are doing around us. And if I can look around and everybody's fishing white rods and know that uh, that guy just went down the bank with a jerkbait, you know, that starts to tell me certain things that I might need to know throughout the practice and tournament. So... It was, uh, Interesting. I didn't want a real bright, flashy rod, so we did this really nice blue with like a black, the bottom part of it's kind of like a black pearl. It's a really nice looking rod. I think you ought to consider carrying a couple of white rods with you just to run <laughs> interference on other people. You know, go down a bank throwing something you're guaranteed isn't going to catch a fish, but just if you want to mess with guys. You could do that. That would work. <laughs> Scott, uh, when we were up at Lake Champlain a, a few years ago, uh, back in 2012, I actually got to go fishing uh, with your son, Jacob, and uh, 
he was out fishing me on smallmouth three to one. It was uh, crazy. Oh, but uh, I, I know that uh, your girls have been on the Scott Martin Challenge before. Obviously, you come from a big fish, fishing family and uh, have the lineage. Do your children want to pursue this as a career path at all? And would you encourage that? Oh yeah, we always encourage it, you know. And and uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's pretty early to tell. They're thirteen and fourteen, and they're just being boys. They just love the outdoors. They love the hunting and the fishing. They love all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the chances of having one of my children following in my footsteps is pretty high. It could be uh, it could be Jacob Reed or it could be Hillary. I don't think Amelia, my youngest, is going to probably jump into the fishing world because. She's all girl. She's cute as a button. And every time I ask her if she wants to go fishing, she says, no, I'm going to stand here with Mommy and do a pedicure. So I'm like, okay, that's cute. So uh, Amelia probably won't be running off on tour, but uh, there's a good chance the boys would, or even my uh, my eight-year-old Hillary. She really loves, loves fishing, too. So you never know. She could be on a high school fishing team one day. The first third-generation fishing superstar. Female. Come on, Jody. That's a great story. That's a great story. Hey, I'm all for that. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one last question that I got for you, Scott. I want a prediction for Hartwell. Uh, who, who do you think uh, some of the guys near the top of the leaderboard are going to be? And uh, what do you think we're going to see for a winning weight? Oh, boy. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think Mark Rose is going to do well. You know, I think uh, obviously with his off, offshore skills, and, and Mark's also got some great shallow skills as well. So I think Definitely. he's a. Uh, He'd be a good threat for that for that event. Uh, you take somebody like Brian Thrift, I think would be another one. You know, obviously somewhat of a somewhat of a local. And uh, and I tell you, one you got to watch out for the rest of the year is Anthony Gagliardi. You know, he had a little bit of a of a misstep at Okeechobee with uh, with uh, not fishing the event. And so he has a lot of ground to make up. He basically could still make the cup if he has a, just a fantastic rest of the year. And uh, I think Anthony's the type of guy that, with his back against the wall, he could really put forth a neat showing. So I expect to see Anthony in several top tens here over the next few tournaments. Uh, winning weight, you know, it's hard to say, but I, I think, uh, you know, your mid-60s is probably what it's going to end up being. Okay. Cool. I'm with you on Anthony as well. I, he, he was on my fantasy fishing team, and he had a great finish last time we were at Hartwell. I, I believe that uh, he's going to turn his season around. So I'm glad to hear you're yeah. on board with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I'm out of questions. Joe, do you have anything else? Uh, no. Thanks to Scott for coming on. We appreciate him taking the time out of his day. Okay, yeah, man. All right, well, listen, I enjoyed being on the show with you guys. And, and uh, give me a call the next time you want to do another one. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Safe travels to Hartwell. Thanks, man. See you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. So, Joe, we just wrapped up our interview with Scott Martin. Uh, what do you think? That was some great advice about the white fishing rods. I never thought about that. That was pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I thought that was really – that was kind of cool, um, which I'm all for that advice. I would I would like to see fewer white fishing rods, personally. I. What about I really, white sunglasses? Are you a white sunglasses guy? Um. Well, I had a pair once that I used a little bit. I don't think they really look that good on me, and my dad doesn't like them, so not really a... Mr. GQ. Mr. GQ Jody White. Yeah, I'm not really a white sunglasses guy. Um, me neither. But, but white I mean, fishing rods. 
Well, I've got. Do you one. own any? Okay. I own, I own one. Um, and there, I mean, there's a decent chance I'll own another because I like that rod a lot. But I do really prefer the traditional, just straight black yeah, or like darker colors. Dark color, like maybe a dark blue type rod, because um, I just think they they look good and you know. I just thought it was a great tip. I mean, I've never thought about that you know that these competitors can see you from three four hundred yards away if if you've got a white rod he's he's definitely right though like those skeet reese rods uh you know your typical your other white rods uh man they stick out like a sore thumb you know hmm. you can you can have a really good idea of what somebody how somebody's fishing if they're holding the white rod versus if they're fishing with a black rod because a black rod you know blends into the background so well it just disappears um which you know, white rods do make for really cool-looking pictures, I think, <laughs> more so than black rods because they, they stick out. They the pop. bend of them sticks out more. You can you can really get a good look at that. But, you know, each to their own. I I think it makes some difference, but all right. So the guy, you can tell what the guy's throwing. You can't tell if he's, you know, you don't really know if he's doing well on it. He might go down a bank and be really intent but not catch a fish, and you'd be like, well, I guess what he was doing is no good. And then he goes down another bank, you know, half mile away, and he catches two six pounders. So, I think there's, I think you've got to be careful about how much you want to read into that. What did you think about his uh, Hartwell predictions? Mark Rose, Brian Thrift, and Gagliardi. Do you like them? Do you disagree with any of them? Uh, I'm fine with the Mark Rose pick. I have no, you know, I have no opinion either way on that. I think it's a solid pick. Uh, I think the Brian Thrift pick is a great pick. The water is up a little bit for Hartwell. Uh, this is the type of tournament where Brian Thrift, I mean, we, any type of tournament Brian Thrift can do really well in, but this is a kind of event where, boy, I would really, I'd really look to see Brian Thrift do well in. And he's a little ticked off. I mean, he obviously cashed a pretty good check at Okeechobee. He got a $10,000 check, but it was one of the last checks. And I, he yeah, it was, was not a typical He Brian was Thrift upset event. about finishing in the 50s. He was saying how he had a terrible tournament and stuff. I mean, a lot of guys would kill for that kind of tournament, but that's definitely not up to his standards. So yeah, I think I mean, uh, Brian, Brian Thrift is a whole different... He could have a little a bit of a chip issue. on his shoulder. Yeah, I would agree. As far as Gagliardi goes, I, I really want to believe um, what you said, what Scott said, but I want to see it before sure. I believe. Uh, I think it could happen, certainly. I think he could go on a tear, but... I think I'm content to not Wait buy in too early. <laughs> I'm, I'm content to say, well, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, and sort of see how it goes. You I know? think I want to see it happen so bad that I'm just on board. It's going to happen. Like, I'm a believer. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Uh, it would be a really cool story if he made the Forest Group Definitely. Cup on his home water and, or on, well, not on water Basically, his home. I mean, Basically yeah. his home water. Uh, if he made the Forest Wood Cup and having missed a tournament whether that's going to happen boy it takes a historic run and you know if he if he has a bad day the first day at Hartwell you know that that could be the end of his run right yeah, there yeah that could but, be a season it really know, could he's got to catch him right off the bat he really does gosh he he doesn't have room for a bad event that's so kind of a crazy scenario to think about i mean this early in the season his back is against the wall. His Forestwood Cup is on the line, day one of Hartwell. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, so that's that's why, in my mind, I'm a no little pressure. Bit, no pressure, I'm a Anthony. little concerned about whether or not 
I want I would want to own him on a fantasy team because I recognize yeah he's mentally tough but you know if he if he's only got one fish by noon on the first day all of a sudden you know the wheels that could spin the wheels that would spin in my head I've I think that's something to consider so speaking of fantasy fishing this is basically going to be our last chance to talk fantasy fishing before the big event obviously next week We'll be coming, uh, well, I'll be broadcasting live from Hartwell. Jody, unfortunately, not traveling to this event, but we'll still do, still do the podcast via okay. phone. Time out. Okay. You said this is our last chance to talk fantasy fishing. <clears throat> Shouldn't we sort of, in theory, have already talked about fantasy fishing early in the show? Sure. Okay. I, just, I feel like, like maybe start that over and maybe okay. like just sort of go into the, like maybe just go into okay, the yeah. wrap up. And I'll basically, talk, yeah, you know what, what I, mean? I was going to say, I can say before. Sure. Okay, cool. Okay, so, all right, yeah, I agree 100% with this picks. I mean, all three of them, Mark Rose, Brian Thrift, and Anthony Gagliardi. Anthony Gagliardi is on my uh, fantasy fishing team. Brian Thrift is a huge favorite, would be on my team if he didn't cost so much money on the salary cap. And Mark Rose, you can never count that guy out. I mean, he's Mark Rose. Come on. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think uh, I think that's it for us this week. Obviously, you know, Joe, you'll be live at Hartwell next week. We'll see how that shakes out yeah we're still not sure exactly how it's gonna be going down i think i'm gonna be broadcasting live from chevy pro night hoping to talk to uh brian thrift you know we obviously one of scott martin's picks he's one of the favorites but we'll still talk to jody via skype and over the phone hopefully or or somehow we'll we'll figure it out we'll get you guys we'll get you guys some audio no matter what (laughs) (laughs) yeah hopefully it'll be good audio too yeah well ideally but you never know all right, hit our uh, outro plugs here. Where can people find more information about FLW? So you can find FLW on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Pinterest. We've got the Chris Jones app, which is still a lot of wow. fun. Wow! <laughs> Love it, man. Of course, fantasyfishing.com. It's not too late to make your picks. Anything else? I think that covers it. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, guys. Thank you very much.